Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for those Vanilla Ice records. Turns out you really just liked David Bowie. You got a record of your favorite songs You got an hour and it won't take long You got a pair of brand new friends You got a ticket gonna stick to the end I said now hear this Now hear this Now hear this show Try to make a fun record. Fun record, you could maybe play at a party. Lots of silly sounds. Hear this. Now hear this. Song of mine. Now hear this. Which I have to hold myself back from completing. Every single time, right? So we'll, I mean, this is what, episode three? Episode three, yeah. So if you haven't figured it out by now, Paul and I love Paul McCartney and the Beatles. (laughs) And one of Paul's, I wouldn't even, would you call it an unreleased song? I mean, it was released in radio circulation so yeah it's a song it's a little jingle how about we call it a jingle one of paul mccartney's jingles is called now hear this and we just ripped it yeah took it just took it Mm -hmm. yeah it was to introduce each individual ram song and there's a boot out there where you can just listen to them all in a row and gouge out your own eyes and i also have ears i'm blind as i'm (laughs) the the eyes the eyes was a mistake that was like (laughs) Really took it one step too far. So every episode, as you faithful listeners know, we exchange an album every episode, Mm -hmm. uh, one that means something or one of us enjoys and share it with the other one. We sort of get a uh, a new take on the album with fresh ears as well as our old stale take. And then you, the listener, can make up your own judgment and listen to it for yourself. So this week we have one that I'm really excited about because this is an album that really spoke to me during some of those lost years. You know, we all have mm. those lost years. Ryan, when were your lost years? I think I'm in them right now. You're, in, you're still lost. I think <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Definitely somewhere in college I got lost for a bit. And then when I went to New York the first time, I definitely got lost. New York will do there. that. Yeah, yeah. The first two years of New York. I don't really remember. <laughs> And it, I think it is just because of the information density in the city. It's just, what's all happening? Yeah. And so to cope with that, you're having a few drinks, and then to cope with that, you're not really sleeping, and then you're back at work, and it's just this fun cycle. Yeah. And you're still learning how to be an adult. I mean, we're about the same age, you know, yeah. so we were in our 20s and figuring out what it is to 
be an adult. And I considered my whole time after college, maybe five or six years after college, like college two. Yeah. Where I was treating it like college, but I was working. Yeah, you're learning on the job. Right. So anyway, that is a long way of saying I found this album called EP by the Fiery Furnaces in that sort of tender time period. It came out in 2005, but I found it somewhere around 2007, 8 in that region. Yeah. And it really spoke to me at that time and became one of my favorites, and I still spin it to this day. It's a weird album. Yes. By a weird band. Oh, yeah. And a weird set of circumstances, which makes it not even really an album, sort of. Oh, yeah, it's named EP. Well, it's named EP, (laughs) but it's album length, but it's not really an album because it's a collection of singles, really. Right, yeah. So Fiery Furnaces are a two-piece indie band formed in 2000 in Brooklyn, although they're from a place called Oak Park, Illinois. Oak Park! Yeah, outside Chicago. Outside Chicago, right. So what's Oak Park like? It's... You know what it sounds like in the music? It's like a suburb of Chicago. You know, I think the reason I relate to this record, like you do, but maybe for a different reason, is that I grew up in the similar circumstances yeah. that these two did. And so they're brother and sister. Brother and sister. Brother duo. and sister. Elnor and Matthew Friedberger. And yeah, they're siblings. And they came up outside of Chicago and then I guess moved to New York like mm-hmm. many of us did. As and, one should. Yeah. And put together this band. And so they really rode the wave of the indie garage revolution mm-hmm. of the turn of the millennium. Because you had, as Ryan knows, I'm a big fan of the White Stripes. And I think they were the big people leading the charge into a return to roots kind of rock yeah, and roll. Absolutely. Along with bands like The Strokes and to a lesser extent, people like Jet and things like that. But to a much lesser extent. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the hives and you have all these others. It's a roots revival almost because they're responding to, there's this time period after Kurt Cobain kills himself where no one really knew what to go do no. with rock and roll. And then we suddenly found out what we could do with it, which is bring it back to the 70s. Just, yes, go back, man. So what Matthew and Eleanor do, as opposed to like the White Stripes do, is Matthew and Eleanor take it back to the 70s, but in the, the more proggy 70s. 100%. So they've got this real experimental aesthetic, and I think it's unfair that they get lumped in so much with the Garage Rock Revolution, although, you know, you could make an yeah. argument that it is spiritually a part of that sure. return. We like how Blondie is part of the new wave. Like She was definitely, not she, the band, you know, Debbie Harry. I'm not saying the lead singer of Blondie is named Blondie. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You don't even know anything about music. You think you're a big shot with a podcast. Oh, God, there's Bruce. Bruce is back. You don't even know anything about a podcast, man. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like referencing cartoon mice this early in in a oh my god, yeah, in a show. Wow. So there were bands in the new wave. The Talking Heads is that exactly the forefront of a new wave? That's more art rock to me. You had somebody like Elvis Costello or the Cars or even Ian Drury and. All of those bands that were the vanguard, the Talking Heads, it's all different slices. The Fiery Furnaces, to me, is is kind of like a Talking Heads-style oh, yeah. group. If totally. you, we were talking 70s and maybe some early 80s influences because of the synthesizers and yeah. how abstract yeah. those lyrics are. It's all to serve a theme and all to serve an emotion. They're not doing it just so they can outweird the next guy. They're doing it to paint a picture. It's almost yeah. like Impressionist mm-hmm. rock or something. 
Yeah, I use talking heads a lot. And when I talk about like right now, I think we're in kind of a newer wave. We talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, newer wave, right. A lot of bands, I think, are taking cues from what talking heads are doing. And Matthew and Eleanor Friedberger were for sure doing it in this um, sort of turn of the millennium time. So it's a little unfair, as we say, to call them an indie rock band, but they are for all intents and purposes, that. I think LCD Sound System is kind of a band that grew out of this kind of thinking, perhaps, or came Mm. up around the time of this sort of thinking. And um, you could probably put Friedberger into a similar category, or the Friedberger siblings, I should say, into Mm -hmm. a similar category. They got signed to Rough Trade Records in 2002. Actually, it's funny, critics of their early work drew a lot of comparisons to Brian Eno, Hmm. which I know you like. I love Brian Eno. And now that you say that, I definitely see where that comes from. A lot of his earlier records, not the records he's making now, which are purely instrumental, for the most part, there's a few vocal records still Mm. popping around here and there. They are pop songs with pop instrumentation, but then all of a sudden it'll be something out of the blue, like dead finks don't talk. Yeah. It starts kind of normally and then (laughs) it'll be like, (laughs) these weird like... And those are like deep voices, high voices, <laughs> weird synthesizers out of nowhere. And then yeah. it's back into a pop song. Yeah. There are these multi, I wouldn't want to say verses. It's like a song suite. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Todd record that we talked about where yeah. all these weird little things are combined into one song. So Brian Eno, in the studio, he uses this thing called the Oblique Strategies. Have uh, you heard of this? No. So it's a box. Well, that's how you can buy it. It's a stack of white cards, and on each card, there's just a phrase like, there is no such thing as a failure, or embrace the unknown. So it's these random little phrases. Yeah. I don't know if those are actually two (laughs) of them. I should pull the deck out. And he makes production and songwriting choices with these random twists and turns, giving him direction. And... (laughs) That what? yeah exactly. You, can you buy that at like a store? Does I have it. That? Hold on, let me go get it. <laughs> now while Ryan's out of the room, we're gonna talk just a lot of shit. Um, just actual. I'm talking about actual literal shit. I found it. You found it. Now I'm opening behind it up the here. whiteboard. Out of any, <laughs> it's like what a creep. <laughs> so did he? He wrote all these. He wrote those with a few other people, but it's credited to Eno. And so what he does is he just takes out one of these cards. Are there sections? Consider transitions. Okay, so if, we're, if you're stuck in the song, if you're in the studio, if you're songwriting, you don't know where to go, you pull those out. Okay, we shift this way. Okay, this is how we make these production choices. You leave it to chance. Wow. All right, so start singing a song. Make one up on the fly. We are here in the recording times. What to maintain? Just carry on. (laughs) Gardening, not architecture. Abandon normal instruments. Don't be frightened to display your talents. Oh, say, can you see? (laughs) Breathe more deeply. (laughs) Remember those quiet evenings? I do. I do. This has been fun. So whoever's (laughs) listening, take that. You can turn that into your own song. I would love to hear that little long note I sang. It's resampled like in Ferris Bueller.
Yeah, I'm putting these away. Put those away. Yeah. I don't know if we wrote a hit. We'll have to. We'll return. What were we even talking about? You, so we were talking about Brian Eno. And so, okay, so what just happened that sort of is an experience you have when listening to Fiery Furnaces or yeah. Eno, where you, you're you not really sure what's going to come next. It's compartmentalized. All of the songs almost are sweets in a way, and they treat them as such. But when everyone is a sweet, I'm not sure it is a sweet. I think it's just a style. Right, yeah. So I think we're going to talk more about Brian Eno later in this podcast. Yes, we'll come back to the Eno. So just to wrap up a little more background here on the Fiery Furnaces, they did go on a hiatus in 2011, and Eleanor Friedberger and Matthew Friedberger released solo records. Now, I love Eleanor's same solo records. Mm-hmm. She put out one last year, which was just phenomenal. But all her records are great. They lose the weirdness a little. Yeah, the weirdness is absent for the most part. For the most part. It, they're still quirky, but they're more straightforward. I love her songwriting because it's just, it's, uh, and we'll get to that in the, in the track by track here, but there's, it's like slice of life songwriting. Mm-hmm. She talks about putting on her uh, sneakers and going for a run, and that's when she does her best thinking. Yes. Which is it, just little things you, you get in everyday life that not everybody points out. Right. What yeah, we yeah. think to point out in a song. So you also get a little Beale influence in, in their sound, which I think may be one of the reasons why I responded to them. They actually do a killer version of Norwegian wood. Mm. And uh, by killer, I mean it sounds like it was composed by a killer of humans. Oh, no. Like oh someone boy. who kills humans <laughs> orchestrated <laughs> I, it. Yeah, I understand. And you are, I can't even look you in the eye right now. <laughs> like a murderer. <laughs> Long, hard gaze. <laughs> so let's talk about the album itself here. It is called EP, confusingly. It is not an EP. It is an album, but it's not really even an album. It's more of a collection. It was released in January of 2005, and it was their third release of Mm -hmm. of this size, I guess you'd call it. It is often omitted from the band's canonical seven-album discography just because no one knows what it is. Is it an EP? Is it an album? Is it a collection? It's kind of all three because it's called EP. (laughs) So Elvis Costello had a record called Taking Liberties that was exactly more or less what this is, where Elvis, I know, not everybody loves Elvis Costello. I get a lot of... Boo, you like Elvis Costello? He's not that great. You, I'll get to this when we talk about Randy Newman. <laughs> yeah. Even Randy Newman didn't think Elvis Costello was that great. He's a divisive uh, yeah. figure. Well, so am I, I guess. So, Taking Liberties, it's this LP. Elvis would write a song that was the same title as the LPs that he was working on, yeah. but he would rarely put them on the album. And so... He what? was, yeah, he was <laughs> this just, is crazy. he was, he was a little crazy. He was putting out all of his music and then they, uh, they just took them all, all the singles, all the B-sides, all the lost tracks, and they put it out as a record. Yeah. But nobody that is an Elvis Costello fan considers, considers a, it a record. I'm, I'm gesturing over to cold cuts right now. Oh yeah. I got it in a frame down there. There's a little, there's a little cold cuts with that, but right. cold cuts is more like unreleased stuff. This is more like past masters. Right. Right. Way. Yes. That's a great analogy, yes. Past Masters. Which, for people who are unfamiliar, was when in the advent of the compact disc, uh, <laughs> all of the Beatles singles and B-sides were, were compiled into two volumes called uh, Past Masters, what, Volume 1, Volume 2, something like that. It's like where the only time I heard the inner light. Or Old Brown Shoe, or like stuff that would have faded completely into obscurity or not been touched up. Right. Got touched up. So, Inner Light's great. 
Great yeah, song. Old, old Brown Shoe and The Inner Light. Yeah, Great yeah. tracks. Both George tunes. Anyway, so this is a compilation of singles and B-sides. I found on the internet it says plus two new tracks. I think that's wrong hmm. because I found instances of all but one mm-hmm. used on various singles over the years. So some thought that this particular project was a response to the Fiery Furnace's previous efforts being received as inaccessible. Okay. Particularly their 2004 concept album, Blueberry Boat. That's a that's a great one, though. Yeah, it is good. It, if you're into their brand of storytelling, like I think you're going to dig pretty much everything they do. I will say this. They are not the most welcoming band to a new listener. Chief Inspector Blanchflower, isn't that on that one? <laughs> like nine-minute song? Yeah. You have to kind of subscribe to their newsletter to really (laughs) get into that. Is that a Simpsons reference? It is. Okay, good. (laughs) And so I didn't, actually. I don't even know if they crossed my radar because I wasn't just thinking in those terms at that time. But what I've, my most fun in doing the little sort of light research I did Uh on this was reading the critical reviews of the time because the fiery furnaces turned into critics yelling at their readers. Wow. And I have some well, please. poll quotes here. Okay, so this is the best one. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with the best one. Well, that's a mistake, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's front load this. Let's front load it. Front load it with the good stuff. Yeah. Blueberry really caused this divide, and there's an excerpt from Pitchfork's Rob Mitchum's review of the Rob, album yeah. uh, Blueberry Boat that sums all of this up. <clears throat> oh, boy. Okay, I'm done being a nice guy about this. If you don't like Blueberry Boat, I don't like you. It's no longer what? it's no longer a matter of taste, other than the fact that I have good taste, whereas you, <laughs> Fiery Furnace haters, do not. You don't have time to take in the full sweeping grandeur of Blueberry Boat's 80 minutes. I have no respect for your calendar priorities. To those who find their multiple movement symphonies and keyboard fetish arrangements overcooked, I feel only loathing, utter disdain, and approximately one tablespoon of pity. And for the few of you that cannot handle the frenetic uber medley that is the Fiery Furnace's live set, I want to make provocative documentary films about your inept and offensive taste and take them on the festival circuit. All right, so that was not a mistake to leave with that. I thought you were speaking hyperbole. That is amazing. That's a review yeah. on Pit from Pitch. You like my writing? Well, fuck you. Right. That was how they led their review of EP because the thought behind EP was like, yeah. okay, idiot. You didn't like Blueberry Boat, idiot? Here's this accessible You're thing, an idiot. idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, some more fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> this album was mastered by Joe Lambert, who also remastered Klaatu's 1981 opus. Magenta Lane. Would you be surprised if I've heard that? Because I have. <laughs> I know you have. And I like it, actually. Klaatu, I may be mispronouncing that. I don't think so. I, I think that's right. I love them because there was a brief shining moment in the mid-70s where people thought they were the reunited Beatles. Calling occupants <laughs> of interstellar planetary craft. I love the song Holiday. Yeah, Holiday's good. Holiday, holiday. Oh, yeah, that's good. Sub Rosa Subway, I'm a big fan of. There's actually a section in the middle of that where there's this drum breakdown. 
that you, <laughs> I know you're impressed, all of you, right now. Well, I was and impressed. And so you are. Just listen to Claw Two, their first couple albums. Yeah. I think like the third or fourth. Skip those. Sure. But what you're talking about is good. It's hitting that ELO-ish, proggy vein, which is to say the more commercially digestible proggy yeah. kind of thing. As we've talked about before on this show, I am not a prog rock person, although no. the more albums I'm listening to by bands like this, the more I'm thinking deep down. I think I, I maybe swallowed that watermelon seed a long time ago. <laughs> and It's starting to bloom. It's blooming, yeah. Uh, so last little fun fact about this album, there's three special thanks. Can't really find a lot of credits on this album, no, particularly because they're all pulled from singles. And so each of those individual credits is beholden to the single packaging having extensive credits on it, which doesn't really happen all that often. Right. But they do give a special thank you on the album EP to Nicholas Vernus. Nicholas Vernus. David Muller and Tashi Yano. Mm. Nicholas Vernus is a French record producer who worked a bunch with the Fiery Furnaces as well as with Animal Collective and Deer Hunter and the War on Drugs and some others. Yeah, it's right in that era. So mm-hmm. it was like end of college into the real world yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is what people are making now? <laughs> I can't just talk about the Beatles forever? <laughs> so make a fine living doing That's, that. That's yeah, a good point. David Muller worked with the band on Blueberry Boat as an audio engineer, computer editing, drums, engineering, and mixing. And Tashi is a bass and keyboard player. So mm-hmm. those are all three people who contributed to the band. Got it. I uh, started a tradition the last couple episodes by offering some overall this thoughts. This is my favorite part of this whole show. Some yeah. overall thoughts on this record. I only have three for Fiery Furnaces, but my first is Hook Masters Who Hate Their Own Hooks. <laughs> okay. Uh, Raffi, if he were writing down the songs shared with him by the son of Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Raffi. Or what the devil on P.T. Barnum's shoulder hears when he falls asleep at night. Oh, my. <laughs> so this is a very calming album. <laughs> but there's a circus-y quality For to it. For your children, it. yeah. It's whirly, it's roly-poly, it goes all over the place. A lot of the tones are really dialed in, though. It's like, it's hi-fi 70s. It's like what the 70s would have sounded like if they had di- digital technology. Yeah, yeah, sure. So let's get into the album okay. itself. We'll start with the track by track here. We have the opener being single again. I married a man, oh then. I married a man, oh then. I married a man, he was the plague of my life. Oh, and I wish I was single. Couple of puns to uh, point out here. Yeah. This was literally a single. Yes, it was. And the next three songs were all B-sides from this single. So it is literally single again and again and again. It is a delightfully deranged, I will say, a bizarre album opener choice on a record with tons of better openers. But it's one that grew on me. I really... Okay. So... I remember buddies of mine. I was in a band in college. We were called Real Lunch. Band broke up. Hey, I love that. Real Lunch, yeah. And That's really good. Okay, shut the hell up. <laughs> no. 
You actually like that name? I love it. Okay, that's what we're... We played the Metro a couple of times, and a guy named Max, a guy named Jake, a guy named Ryan, and myself, I played the keyboards, so yeah. the piano and synthesizer. And so Max and Jake had found this band, and mm-hmm. I remember they brought this specific album in. You know, when you're in a band, it's it's you're always looking for stuff and then bringing it to your boys, kind of yeah. like what we're doing here. This is yeah. basically a band. Hey, what do you think of this? And... This whole album got me, hmm. but I only heard it a couple times and put it away until you asked me to listen to it again. Yeah, and I could not believe that it was as good, if not better, than I had remembered it yeah. being. Because some of that music you hear in that Lost Weekend you're talking about, you go back to you're like, I don't think this is that good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I was a big Ben Folds fan, like big time, yeah. as big as I got. Now I go back to some of those albums and songs. I'm like. Or the aforementioned jet. Uh, the, we got excited about these things at yeah. the time, and then you look, you think back, and they're just they're fine. Yeah. Move your feet by Junior Senior. I love. Junior yeah, Senior. I love that. <laughs> but I haven't heard it since then. Is it as good? I don't know. I don't listen to them sort of actively anymore. But they were. It's so funny. It's a little bit of a tangent, but them and we mentioned Scissor Sisters in the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. They were part of this sort of disco revival at the same time as the Garage revival, mm-hmm. almost the the uh, sequel to Funky Town in a lot of ways, like just Funky Town, whoever turned up. Yeah, it turned up. So. I don't feel like dancing. I like that. Oh, one. I love that. Anyway, so one thing I didn't mention in the overall review of this album is that they're like, okay, idiots, you didn't like all their concept albums, idiots. Well, this one doesn't even have a concept, idiots. So it, t- it sort of does a little. Yeah, a I, I would say that. Yeah, more of like a motif. But this song is actually a rewrite of a traditional American folk song. I didn't know that until this morning when you what? sent me that video and I watched it <laughs> and I was mesmerized for four minutes, whatever it was. So I didn't know it either. And that comes up actually a couple of times in this. Single again is, as I say, a traditional American folk song, traditionally sung by males Mm -hmm. who sing about wives leaving them. And I think one of the verses is about the dude's wife dies and he laughs till he cries. And then later Mm -hmm. he goes to the funeral and dances Yankee Doodle. Well, who doesn't at a funeral? I thought that was after after the macaroni salad. Better (laughs) funerals probably have a little Yankee Doodle dancing. And now the Yankee Doodle dancing in the atrium. (laughs) Let the... Widower lead. This song is dark, but really funny. She talks about, I wish I was single again. I wish I was single again. Because when I was single, my pockets did jingle. Oh, I wish I was single again. So that's saying I had more money. I was happier. And then with every verse, she gets into a new relationship with someone who beats her to the point of almost killing her. Mm -hmm. And then either he dies or they divorce or whatever it is. And then she's single again. She's happy. And then she gets back in to another relationship where the guy beats her again, which contrasts with the original intent, which is more like the guy being like, ugh, this fucking woman. Yeah, it's definitely darker than that Yeah, you flip it. But it's cool because it points out a female perspective on that sort of old ball and chain style Uh of like misogynistic, like, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's really clever and it definitely like deranged. It starts with this ominous synth that like swirls around and it feels really unnerving for a while like yeah. a minute or more a long time what a weird choice a for a single mm-hmm. which was released in 2004 mm-hmm. but b for this opener wow like, yeah crazy well so now that you say every verse she's getting beaten right and yeah. then she enters into a new relationship and you're talking about the band 
my first thought to that is she's talking about recording and releasing a record. So they're putting a record out, they're putting a record together, and they put it out, and they're getting stones thrown at them. Yeah. One, two, I don't know, was this number four in the seven? Third. This would be three? Okay, so one, two, three albums, and you're getting (laughs) abused. So maybe this whole album is a big kind of screw you guys sort of thing. Well, it's funny. Idiot. (laughs) It's funny you say that, because apparently this single was released in response to that. The digestible sound. Blueberry Boat single, is that what it was meant to be? Or it is, is it? after Blueberry Boat. So this okay. one this one's two thousand four and it's before they collected them all. Got it. But they put a lot of songs together for this. So I think that's it could very well be a response to her critics. I keep saying her because I love I love Eleanor's Eleanor. uh, solo stuff so much that I always think of her. But Matthew actually adds a lot to this band. And yeah. it's, it is drastically different with him at the helm as opposed to her solo stuff. But um this one blends into the next track, which is Here Comes the Summer. I love this song. Yeah, it's good. When I was trying to describe this song before, like while not listening to it, I wrote, eh, <laughs> the, the meh parade continues. That's what huh. I wrote. But actually, it's a nice little tune that hums along. And while I find it to be somewhat forgettable compared to some of the other stuff on the record, it actually really is... It's a hooky little number. Very hooky. And the whole she was she repeats the word remember a lot. Yeah. Which reminds me of obviously Lennon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Remember that's two completely different <laughs> things. No, but I hear you. The synthesizers are great on the record. The piano moves it around. This is why I think this album is so excellent. Because I didn't realize that the first four songs were a single. That makes so much sense. Like the first four or five songs just cruise. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. I can deal with this. This is excellent. Yeah. This was a B-side, as we said, to single again. And uh, I, I just wrote this little phrase here. December dark at six o'clock. Remember, the freezing wind gives you a shock. Remember, it's a an exercise in boiling the seasons down to little snippets of imagery, all of which are communicated, I think, expertly through Eleanor's phrasing and her vocals, which is echoed and amplified by Matt's sort of bouncy guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I love the way that they weave the music around the lyric and the lyric is are typically pretty damn strong you know october damp on down the street sodden leaves stuck to your feet yeah. remember you're right it is it's uh, with you're exactly correct so uh, anyway this as you mentioned is it's a suite the second track leads into track three evergreen and this one's cool i again i think you and i came possibly at this from different angle because in my opinion the record opens kind of weekly. Like I don't really get engaged until the next track. I like really? it. I like huh. it, but I don't love it until the next track. So Diffuser put it together a couple of years ago. Their list of the top ten best Fiery Furnaces songs. It just comes mm-hmm. back to like the the snobbery that surrounds this band. But they put this one at number five of their uh, all time. Oh no, best songs. And do you uh, agree or disagree? I don't know if I have an opinion. I'm just sort of interested to hear theirs. So they wrote. Evergreen, originally a B-side to single again and later offered up on EP, finds Eleanor Friedberger letting her voice do the kind of emoting her lyrics sometimes obscure. Mm. The song is about someone waiting for their time to come and always being ready despite constant misfortune. It's both optimistic and sad as hell, and Friedberger sings the weepy words like she is in tears. Mm. Matthew gets his moments as well, delivering a couple of guitar solos, and the final one sounds like it's performed on a nylon string garage sale find, and that seems appropriate 
Given the plight of the song's narrator, Matthew gives the classical guitar a moment to fulfill its purpose, or perhaps we're reading too much into that. Maybe. This, that's, I think that's about right also. I love this one. Yeah? I, I guess you don't, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, um, it sounds to me like they picked a Beatle, and I don't know which one. Yeah. And we're like, we're going to write a song in the style of one of the Beatles. Sure. So, and the lyric, I don't even know what any of these lyrics mean. I was spreading the sheets to dinner all alone every night of the week, <laughs> is what I wrote down yeah. as a little pull lyric from that. So what is that? Yeah, exactly. What does that mean to me? I was wielding my axe drunk, whiskey at the bar every night, coming home out of the windshield of my car. Huh? <laughs> it's cool imagery. It's surrealistic. Yeah. Dolly. Well, I think, and this is going to come into play later in the record for me, but I think her lyrics reflect a sadness. And that's what I mean when I say sort of lost years, because even though I was getting to know my career and pouring myself into that, I was also pouring a lot more and maybe uh, turning to drinking and smoking and doing some light drugs and things like that and kind of losing my own... Tylenol, mostly like drugs. (laughs) (laughs) It was a real NyQuil problem. Real Pepto-Bismol nightmare. (laughs) But no, I you know I felt uh, myself a little lost at the time, and I, that that's when this band jumped out to me because okay. I felt like her lyrics sometimes expressed that kind of wandery frustration at nothing in particular. Just yeah, everything. Oh, definitely. You know, as the reviewer mentioned, I love the solo, and we don't get a lot of guitar solos with this band, so when they happen, I get really mm-hmm. excited. And so that leads into track number four here. Sing for me. This is where I start to like. This is where you're in. Okay. You know, start to get into it here a little bit. This was another B-side for single again. They basically started with the album single, and then the next three songs are different B-sides. It's a sweet little hook, you know? Yeah. His voice is hit or miss for me. Yes. And this is the one where it misses. I like the other one. Yeah. This one I was like, I think I'm just so infatuated by Eleanor. I know, me too. (laughs) That I just, I'm like, I guess I I get it. Make her go away before the next track, which is just, um, <sighs> it blows my mind. We don't have to get to that yet. Yet, yeah, sing to me. It, it's good. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. Is it my favorite song on the album? No. It sets the table for me for the next run of songs, yes. which okay. I think is my favorite run of songs. Because, uh, well, what I like about how they treat their songwriting is she's got these lyrics and this beautiful vocal, and then they wrap the music around it like a blanket like the Mm -hmm. piano kind of swirls around it a little bit and it's just so sweet the way they treat that yeah so this one kind of is like the chaser from those first three and i'm like okay yeah and then that opens it up to as you say track five tropical iceland oh boy here we go (sighs) i watched this music video about 35 times this week (laughs) and i don't know why i just yeah i love her she's just cool and sad and sexy and those bangs. And, those bangs. And just how wacky that video is. Probably like made a polar bear, right? Polar bear. Yeah. She's got multiple outfit changes. Yeah. Not that I was paying attention. I was definitely paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, take intermission at the movies. Freeze outside for one quick smoke. Take a Klondike bar from the pop machine. Hey, it's ice cream. No, not Coke. In tropical, tropical Iceland. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I will subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> Holy sh- 
Yeah, I just wrote at the my first note is just let the excellence begin. <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, this song was released as a single in 2004. This one is one that did appear on another album. It's the mm. only instance where we get an album track that pops up. And the album version of this song is slower. It's acoustic. It's on the album Gallows Bird Bark. And uh, it still works there, but I prefer the more commercial version in this release. This song features Nicholas Vernus, who recorded the album in Rare Brook Room Studio and did its drum programming, which I was shocked to hear because it sounds like a live drum. Yeah, it does. I guess it's a drum, like just... I guess he must have played it. And Some people are good at that. It's all a skill set. This made that diffuser list coming in at number eight. and uh, Only eight. I know. They say it's light, inconsequential tone and almost sugary, but nevertheless appeals to the imagination thanks to clever turns of phrase and even a closing verse played backwards. It shows the band at their most accessible, and yet they remain endearingly anachronistic especially by 2005 standards. Yeah, oh, well, I think it's great. List or no list or eight or one or whatever it is. I'll always think of this song when I think of the band. Yeah, I think they're right when they say the most accessible. This sounds like a radio hit uh, when you hear it. The hook is just, I was going to say the best on the album. I think it's one of the best on the album, but it's just, I put this one on any time. I was listening to this album a couple times this week to prepare for this, and when it came on on a run, I just broke out in a sprint because it fills you with energy. It's just so energized. So anyway, I love it when a song can wear different hats like this one. When a song is so strong that the melody can play in a couple different genres, I always really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking specifically of the St. Vincent song, Slow Disco, which came out in four different versions, I think. And there's like a fast one, a slow one, like a medium speed and like a piano version. (laughs) So I think that speaks to Eleanor's songwriting and just how great she is. I love the little breakdown in the middle with those drums and that sort of weird screechy effect mm-hmm. that kind of wafts. I've seen enough stray ponies and puffins to get me through to the end of May. Yes. <laughs> and just lastly here on this song, the backwards bits. Oftentimes when people use that stuff, I always find it to sound more like, I don't know, a dumb gimmick or pastiche mm-hmm. on 60s sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not great. But You're here? Like, Why are we doing it? Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't even recall it until you said it. Yeah. Because I thought it was just an effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the whole rain kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm filled with such love for this song. Yeah. But it's not the song that got me into them. Okay, which which is? Is it on this record? It is on this record, okay. and we're not at it yet, but that continues the string of like, <gasps> What is this band that I was hit with? So that brings us into track six, Duffer St. George. And I don't care. The chorus comes out of nowhere for me, where you're just like, where is this going? Where is this going? And then just big guitar. Of course you love this one. Big, like (laughs) almost 90s style guitar. Yeah. Duffer St. George and I don't care. I think that they were singing this in the back of a cab in England, like the lyrics sound. And Mm -hmm. they were like, oh yeah, let's record it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that. I didn't. 
I mean, it plays on the theme discussion for a moment. All right. Jimmy Crack Corn, and I don't care is what they're referring to here, another American folk song. So we have sort of a through line. Mm -hmm. We have them taking little bits from traditional folk songs and weaving their own tracks around it. I say deranged a lot of my notes here, but just because they are, but the piano is deranged. Yeah, no, just, yeah, that track specifically is. Yeah, like a mad scientist kind of thing. And yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have much to write on this other than I love it. Yeah, and I like the little instrumental tag at the end of the track, yes. haunting sort of thing. So that's a recorder, I think, mm. not a flute. Oh, I don't know. It could be anything. Sounds like a recorder. It's not a tuba. It's, <laughs> it's not a tuba. <laughs> We get paid no money to do this, folks. We are not 100% professionals. <laughs> that leads to track seven. This is my favorite on the record. It's the... Oh, this is the one. This is the, this song, is the song that made me think, oh my God, I love this band. Yeah. It's called Smelling Cigarettes. It's my favorite by the band, and it's the only reason I decided to dig deeper. I think I found Smelling Cigarettes on LimeWire at the time. Tell us, well, what is LimeWire? <laughs> LimeWire is where we used to get... Oh, yeah. oh I'm not going to do that. We used to download MP3s. <laughs> and if you got a 256 a K bits or higher, <laughs> you struck gold. Yeah, as was the style at the time. As was the style. I had my onion on my belt. I had my LimeWire on my belt. So I went through a phase where I was like, I was living alone. I was in a basement apartment oh, in no. uh, a couple miles north of New York. And I was just, I was still subscribed to Rolling Stone for some reason. And every month when I would get Rolling Stone, I would flip through the reviews and download on LimeWire a song from each of the albums reviewed mm. to try and see if anything spoke to me at all. And this was one of them. And it's what led me to the band. Okay. Wow. And I was just, I fell in love with it. I thought it was so great. It reminded me of I Am The Walrus or something where there's so many little bits that'll keep you interested a hundred years later, right, is the, is the quote. So mm -hmm. this was a, a B song to the song Crystal Clear in 2003. And I think the sweet quality appealed to me the most. And each portion of the sweet is perfect in its own way. The drums and the piano at the beginning are Beatlesque, I think, which is maybe one of the things that led me into the group a little bit more, but this is a, almost an overall note for the band. But for this song in particular, I think this is what the Dresden Dolls wished they were. Right, okay. If you're familiar yeah, at all yeah, with the Dresden I, yeah, Dolls. Yeah. I agree with that. Dresden Dolls want to be this kind of like herky-jerky, mm. we're like circus goths, and you know, we wear makeup and stuff. But like yeah. Eleanor Friedberger and Matt, do on this what they just never all the way kind of achieved. Yeah, yeah, this is a spectacular track. Yeah. For that reason, and then also just the imagery she cooks up with the whole, hey, don't key that Camry. <laughs> yeah, so, so I want to read that Please. line because it's my favorite from the song. Now I'm in the clutches of my crutches. Mm. I'm laid up and I sip from my cup and I look outside. I think when she says crutches, I think she means 
booze, liquor, drugs, something right. like that. Well, a lot of her lyrics pivot. They yeah. could be any, it could be three different things at the same time. So that's what I read into it at the time. Yeah. And I see Christopher Hyde, who just got divorced, and there's a restraining order enforced, going in his ex-wife's garage, and I'm just drunk enough to open the window, yell out, Gruff, don't you key that brand new Camry. Yes. And he gave me the cursor, damn, returning to the spot he was. Mind your own business, you, and I wag my finger, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I love it. It's just, it's like Dylan, almost. Like, yeah. This, cursor could mean, like, your pointer finger. Cursor meaning harsher. Yeah, I know. Or, yeah, she's, does she write these, or is it, is it her brother? I'm I don't know. pretty sure she's, she I must. think it's a joint effort. She must, if, with her solo careers, the lyrics are just as good. It reminds me of, like, Donovan's imagery with Dylan's tooth. And so you get that. Dylan's tooth is the name of my new album <laughs> or cover band for Bob Dylan. His old snaggle tooth. But no, you know what I mean, though, because Donovan is... <laughs> now Dylan's tooth! <laughs> so his music can be such a piss in the wind at times. I, I love it, but it, it can be a little wispy. But it's got that musical quality to just how he's expressing each other. Yeah, person. I understand. So anyway, this song really takes me back to a time in my life where... A story like this may have happened to me, you know, like something like that, like getting drunk and looking out a window and watching somebody key a car, something like that. It just takes me back to that place. So it just perfect. It just perfectly captures yeah. a mood, time, right. all that stuff. So two, you said it was two, a couple of miles north of New York when you... Yeah, I was in a town called Yonkers. Oh yeah, I know Yonkers. Yeah, which is the, it was going to be the sixth borough, but then that fell through. <laughs> For reasons that are evident when you visit Yonkers. Yeah. So you were there and you're working in Manhattan? I'm working in uh, Mamaroneck, which is mm -hmm. further into Westchester. So I'm working in a very nice town, living in a very shitty town, in a basement apartment of a building run by a slumlord. Oh, boy. Where, and my parents thought this was hilarious, by the way. They were just like, this little, like, I think they... I think my dad's only comment when he saw the apartment was like, hey, look, there's a hospital. <laughs> Good to know that you will survive when you get sepsis. It was the most touch and go I think I've ever been in my life. Well, it makes sense. I'm, and I'm not saying that to try to drag you through a difficult period of your life. A lot of those difficult periods in our lives make us who we are. I lived in a crawl space when I moved to huh. Brooklyn, New York in yeah. 2008. Paid $700 a month for it. Wow. I had to climb a 12-foot ladder. I'm not, it's not a joke. I get to Grand and Havemeyer in Williamsburg. A friend, I don't even talk to her anymore, so I don't know if you can consider us even friends. She'll go, I'm, I'm staying in this place, a guy named Paul's place. Mm. I guess I'd like Paul's. It's just always... A th we got the same. <laughs> well, it's also people. a popular name. So Very popular. <laughs> I go in, the, it's old converted ballrooms, right? Yeah. And it's like, they're not bifurcated, but like quadfurcated, if that's even a thing. So it's one quarter or so of, a, of an old Brooklyn ballroom, and the guy's built like little bedrooms to the one corner. So there's a bed on top and a bed on bottom. I'm like, oh, which one of these is going to be mine? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're up the ladder. And then this <laughs> oh, like rickety old silver ladder. And I'm climbing up, and it's, you can't stand. So I'm crouching in it, wow. and there's like an old mattress. I'm like, can I swap the mattress out? And they're like, ah, don't worry about that. I don't know how we're going to get a new mattress in. Okay, so you know, you're laying a cloth over some old mattress. And, but you know, that was, looking back, those three or four months, whatever it was, 
It's like my favorite time of my life. Really? I had a suitcase. I had that. I had my job. That's when I started working for Atlantic originally. Yeah. And I lived in poverty yeah. effectively, but I paid out the tooth for it. Out the snaggle tooth. But without that, I don't think I would have, you know, you're in that situation. You're like, I got to get out of this situation. And yeah. so it, it gives you that drive. And that's where I discovered like the, what was that band? Animal Collective and yeah. all of the stuff that kind of came right after this. So we're talking what, 2007, six? I moved there early 2008. Okay, yeah. I got the job in 2007. That's so wild. Yeah, you, it was insane. I'm talking 2008 as well. That was exactly the same time I was, like you and I were just at different parts yeah. of New York doing, sounds like something similar. Very I similar. Had, I got my big break in comics and I was a working professional and pouring all of my life into it at the time. it all. Because what else you have to do at that time no. other than get fucked up? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. Okay, well, I can go be a lawyer or a doctor. But you talk to lawyers or doctors, especially at that time, like, don't go into medicine. There's no money in medicine yeah. anymore. Lawyer, every fucking lawyer I've ever talked to, except for a couple, <laughs> I just want to punch them in the fucking dick. <laughs> it's like their humanity gets tossed out the window. Yeah. Oh, you can charge me $400 an hour, but you're not a person anymore. So anyway, I didn't know what I'm saying to you is I, I, I completely understand why this is that track now because it made me think of like, what was, what was that moment for me? It yeah. was a crawl space in Brooklyn. I was lucky I had a roommate that I got along with really well. We found each other on Craigslist mm. and we met and became really fast friends. I had a Craigslist roommate like that too. This was when I lived in the Upper East Side and I remember coming in and there were just beer cans everywhere every day. Yeah. Like, are these new? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he was like a banker or something. Yeah. And so that's just what it is in that city. It can, it can be. So Anyway, this episode's turning into a therapy session for myself, I think. So I, <laughs> to bring it back to the album here. I'll send you an invoice. All right, thank you. That leads into track eight, Cousin Chris. Cousin Chris. Somewhat forgettable for me. Not my favorite, but I like it. You know, there's, there's a lot to like. The lyrics are bananas, like Barnacle Bill's Bound Bonus Bid. Yeah, so this song is an exercise in rhyming. Clearly. (laughs) And abrupt change. I never knew the lyrics of this. I looked them up. I'm just going to read the first stanza. There you go. Back the bus he cussed, space suits, blackened boots. Lad, little lad, he said, I've a tip for you. See, what about me? What about me? What about me? For $5, I walked him to his mom's, and on the threshold, he said straight and calm, see, what about me, what about me, what about her, what about me? Can't kiss Cousin Chris, could night turn Turn off off the the light? light. (laughs) I remember that. With what wise we wave, what wish it came true, see, what about me, what about her, what about me? Yeah, so what? (laughs) What? I mean, yeah, so this, I mean, on a record, when you're past track seven or so, stuff like this pops up. Yeah. Okay, we have this. It's good yeah. enough. Let, <laughs> let's get it out. So, Put it out. So this one was, was B-side uh, to, to Crystal Clear yeah. in 2003, and um, it reads like a B-side. Yes, sir. S- some of their stuff doesn't. Like Smelling Cigarettes was a B-side, too, and that one well, to me doesn't read about it. Yeah, that could have been an album track or even something bigger. I love the blown out drum sound on it. It's got this like kind of crashy sort of effect to it. But uh, yeah, not much to say about this one. It leads us to track nine, Sweet Spots. A little bright old ray of sunshine. Yeah. 
This was the B-side to Tropical Iceland back in 2004. So talk about an A and a B. Tropical Iceland in this one is like sugar rush. <laughs> you know, like. I like this one because it's all a slice of Oak Park. You know, she talks about getting on the Lake Street L. For those of you who know Chicago, ah. that's the elevated train. Okay. The green line, I think, connects Oak Park to Chicago, if I remember. And she's talking about, what was it Brock's? Is it how it's pronounced? So the, the, that candy factory, I don't know if it's oh, still yeah. there. It, it might be abandoned as of now, but it, yeah, it was on Cicero. Part of it was used as a hospital and blown up in the dark night. Oh, Christopher Nolan's yeah. dark Because they shot all that stuff in <laughs> Chicago. And it goes, I mean, it goes through other things. The Mars factory was in, oh, I think it's still there too, in Galewood. Wow. On, in Oak Park. But yeah, that's what the whole song is about. That's so funny. Sometimes these location-specific songs can read a little corny. Mm-hmm. But this one, me not knowing any of that, I just appreciated the imagery and the sound of the words. Right, you know, yeah. It didn't really, it didn't hit me in, on that level. But Well, you grow up close enough to it and you hear it, you're like, wait a second. Oh, yeah, I know what she's talking about. It's yeah. kind of interesting. We were talking about the White Stripes earlier. They have a song like that called Lafayette Blues. And Lafayette Blues is just them reading the French street names in Detroit. <laughs> but he's saying it like he's talking French, but really he's just rattling off some of the shittier streets in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get to that on our next episode. Mm. A little foreshadowing mm-hmm. for those of, for all 16 of you who've made it this far. Yeah, Ryan has ruined my brain with the next one. <laughs> but uh, one more thing I'll say about this is it's got a Bruce Springsteen quality to it, which I really like. I don't think we've talked about Bruce before, you and I, but I love Particularly early Bruce Springsteen. And yeah, this well, one, of course. This one's got that like surf yeah. factory kind of like good timey thing. And I love that there's a do-da-do-da, do-da-do-da. Oh, do-da. yes. And yes. it's it's off time. Those background vocals, I love them. Yeah, but like it doesn't sync up like it no. should. And so your brain is like reading something wrong about it. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like it was recorded properly. Yeah. And then that solo at the end, it's like tax man, but somehow with even more acid, like <laughs> amplified by this buzzing synth and this wacky yes. echo location. I feel like I'm trying to fuck a dolphin's blowhole. Whoa! <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> um, I love that. So yeah, that's what I have about sweet spots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dolphins actually go after people, right? Have you I heard do. about the... There was some kind of experiment, right? Where somebody dropped a bunch of acid and tried to talk to dolphins and they wound up realizing that all dolphins have a foot fetish. Wow. Which makes sense. They don't have them. Yeah, exactly. I would want, you always want what you can't have. Uh, like legs and feet are the boobs of humans. <laughs> and that's the high quality journalism you're going to get for the rest of this season on this show. I did read about Sweet that. Sweet spots. What a great song. Brings us to the closer of the album, Sullivan's Social Slub. Now this one, I think, is either, I think it's the lone new track. Okay. On the record. So this is not a B-side, any of that. Sweet Spots was, as we mentioned, the, the B-side of Tropical Iceland. So this is this one is all new, I think. I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I think it's a fantastic closer. It's another sweet, similar to Smelling Cigarettes. And it's another favorite of mine on the record. It's got a lot of strange rhymes similar to what we heard on Cousin Chris. Mm-hmm. But I think they're a little more realized here so yeah i agree so we have i'm just going to read some of these here brandy butterscotch bartered and begged many motherwell mustard and mugged makes sense lucy liver spots lied oh and legged danny dungarees digged and he dugged so's on saturday 
say slips off a Sullivan social slub. Sup slide. Oh, nice and nice. It. I think we can forgive you. (laughs) Need a nice nur and a nip and a nub. Yes. I mean, uh, maybe. (laughs) Sup slides over Sullivan social slub. Candy Cumberland cookied and cleaned. Andy aspartamed assholed and ate. Gary gutter gunk gathered and gleaned. Stripey stripple ford strippled them straight. So's on Saturday, say slips off a Sullivan social slub. Need a nice nur and a nip and a nub? Sup slides over Sullivan social <clears throat> slub. I think she's saying, I think that's a sex thing. Yeah, it sounds a lot like it. Vincent Vibraphone, Sally Summer Dress, Fanny Furza Frank, I wrote down. <laughs> Seamus Sweaty Set. <laughs> Oh, what's that reservation for? Oh, that's uh, Sweaty Set. First name Seamus. Party of one. Party of one. <laughs> I'll need a bucket, though. So, but, but, <laughs> you're, you're right. It reminds me of, they have a track called The Philadelphia Grand Jury. Uh, I think it's the album after it. And it's like the beta version of that song, yeah. where they're headed towards it. And yeah, it's truly insane. And it's long. <laughs> There's a big instrumental portion too yes. right yeah so. there's the piano i just wrote is on fire here the the chorus piano the bridge piano it hammers you know a mood and it captures that it's like it juxtaposes childlike wonder and adulthood dread in one yeah. package yeah really and you don't really get a lot of dreadful oboe on rock songs these days no, but no, we no, end no. on a dreadful oboe <laughs> <laughs> the old dreadful oboe closer <laughs> We don't use this one too often, but... Ryan Dillon Tooth, oboed and closed. A sweaty sock Sally <laughs> sipped and sank her sweet southern <laughs> slip. I really wish you wouldn't look me in the eyes and do that. Yeah. It's really... I was just gripping the table. Yeah. Got Light a, knuckles over there. Gotta grip it. And then we end on an awesome bass solo that's just like, it's yeah. like this fuzz bass. It's really cool. So that is the album. Just... In closing here, Pitchfork once again remarked about this album, The Band We Love But You Love to Hate. Skip the multi-part song cycles on this immediately accessible collection of singles, b-sides, and rarities. Okay, so this 10-track EP has an uninspiring title. Instead, the Friedberger Sibs saved their best ideas for their song. Hmm. And my ending thought on this is if this album was meant to offer new listeners a welcoming intro to the band, Mission Accomplished. Yeah, I agree. Mission Accomplished. This is a great little slice. I just can't believe it's 15 years old now. (laughs) Or more or whatever it is. It's crazy. I know. I know. Some of the songs are even older because they're pulling from stuff from B-Sides from 2003. Wow. Which is quite a ways back but yeah that's the fiery furnaces so anybody who hasn't listened to fiery furnaces or eleanor friedberger's stuff i would recommend if you want a more commercial intro there's a that album they put out in the later 2000s one of their later records called widow's widow city i think it's called that one's really good and way more accessible that one's like a 70s rock album yeah i like that one a lot yeah and then her solo stuff is Amazing. All of it, especially 2011, that the album that has my mistakes on it. Oh, I make a lot of playlists for myself because I'm 12 years old, and that song opens one, and I never skip it. It's one. That's how I judge. I really like something. Yeah. I never skip it. Never. 
ever. Yeah. There you go. Fiery furnaces. Yeah. Now heard this. We now heard this. Is that how we're ending the show? I now? don't know. We we'll, shouldn't we'll, do that. We should not. <laughs> we did it once and it really didn't go over well. And yeah. That was just now. It was it was just now. It it landed pretty much with a thud. It was a few hundred feet short of the runway, let's just say. Mm. It was a real whatever that plane's called that's been killing people. There is there were no survivors. None. I don't think the black box even... Okay, we should stop. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Do you have an opinion about the album we discussed today? Contact us at, at NowHearThisPodcast on Instagram, at NowHearThisPod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash NowHearThisPodcast, or email us at NowHearThisOfficial at gmail.com. See you next time. Now it's going. Now it's going. Oh, yeah. Check, 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 check. We're good. Okay. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute Mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology that ACAST has developed for us. That's right, ACAST has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, Acast, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an Acast supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. Okay. All right. Well, bye then.